Hey, everyone. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Books and Shit with your girl, Charlie Author. Um, now, guys, as you know, I've been on a bit of a hiatus with Books and Shit um, after having um, a baby. It's just kind of gone all over, all over the place. But I am back with, I'm so excited. I am back <laughs> with an episode featuring, who you can see here, the wonderful, amazingly talented author, Deborah Falaye. And first of all, say hi to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> hi, guys. Hi, Charlie. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be joining you on this podcast. Thank you. No, thank you so much for agreeing to be a part of it. Um, we spoke a little bit before um, about our meeting, as it were. Um, so I'll give a quick rundown. I read uh, Blood Scion. And that's another thing. I've been saying Scion. That is right, isn't it? That is right. Some people say Scion or Scion. It was just, oh, my God. Yeah. It was just like, okay, no, it's Scion. Okay, I've got it it's right. It's Scion, yeah. It's so I read Blood Blood Scion last month. We're in August now. I read it in the um, early part of July, and you know this isn't just because Deborah is is here. I don't love books instantly so often. Yeah, um, you know I've got a few. I've had the privilege of interviewing one of my favorite authors, Jay Kristoff, um, early last year, um, who's a writer I really admire and he's amazing. And I loved his book straight away. And here we go. But, you know, you like books, you might have a binge-worthy one. You know, there's different things, but there are very few books that you just feel are so special immediately. And Blood Scion, here we go. This is my fairy loot version with my wonderful tab. <laughs> um, I have two versions of this, by the way. Um, <laughs> and I loved it immediately. I loved it immediately. It was a five-star for me straight away, and I tagged it up. And, you know, it doesn't always happen, but um, she saw the tag and, you know, <laughs> thanks and all this kind of stuff. And I reached out, you know, hoping, said, could you join me on one podcast? And here you are. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to, obviously, once I do this intro and stuff and we go into, I will let you just speak away. Um, but let me know first, we'll go on to the book, obviously. Um, but let me know first about your journey uh, towards yeah. writing getting this amazing book. <laughs> oh okay. man that was honestly thank you so much for that intro by the way <laughs> it meant so much to me honestly like when I read your review it meant the absolute most to me because this is a book that it took 10 years to write we'll talk about that soon but um I never thought that anyone would ever read this book or let alone have it published or let alone just have people who really love it so every time I see like a review, it just, it blows my mind because I'm like, wait, like, are you guys sure you're talking about my book? Um, so just thank you so much for the amazing review. It meant the world to me, but, um, yeah, like, um, the journey to publishing blood sign. Well, uh, I grew up in Nigeria, so I was, uh, I spent like 12 years of my life in Nigeria. And uh, while I was there, you know, my grandmother, I was very close with her and she would constantly tell me these stories about like the Orisha gods. And, you know, that, that it was steeped in our spirituality, steeped in my culture. So I carried that fascination of like the Orisha pantheon with me, um, you know, moving to Canada and growing up subsequently growing up here. Um, so 
when I decided like I wanted to be a writer, um, I love writing poetry. First of all, I've always loved writing poetry as bad and as terrible as it is. I absolutely love it uh, because it just really um, gets that sort of creative well flowing for me. Um, so that was like kind of like the first thing I dabbled in. And then I remember when I was in high school and I was like, you know what? I want to write a book. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I didn't know the whole, you know, publishing industry and just like how yeah. to go about that. But yeah. I just really knew that, right? No one really knows. It's just how they're made, where they come from. They're just books. They just appear. <laughs> um, I had like a summer internship at the library near my house. So I had access to like a lot of books and I could check them out. I could check out whatever, however many books I wanted. And I absolutely loved it. So, you know, obviously naturally we're all devourers of like storytelling books, whatever. Um, So I was like, you know what? I want to write my own. Um, The first book I ever wrote was a YA contemporary and it was just an absolute mess. Um, I finished it in such a frenzy. I finished it in such a frenzy. And I was like, well, how do you edit this book? (laughs) Like, what do you do now? And I had no idea how to edit the book. And the one thing about me is if I'm like in the editing stage, just to procrastinate, I come up with new ideas. So that was when the idea for Blood Sign came out because I was trying to avoid editing the YA contemporary book. (laughs) And and with Blood Sign, you know, it took me back to my grandmother and the stories she she used to tell me, the stories I grew up on. And uh, at the time, you know, this was 2012 and the YA space didn't really have any sort of like mythology that was outside of like the Western culture. Um, So I just really thought how cool would it be to write a story featuring my culture, featuring like the Orishas in all of like their glory and just like really building this like world around this uh, mythology and the setting and the background. And that's how Blood Sign came to be. Um, So for the past 10 years, I just wrote and wrote several different versions of the book Mm-hmm. revised as much as I could. Um, in 2017, I believe, I got into Pitch Wars. Um, oh. So that was like a pathway um, for me actually to getting published because I had the most amazing um, mentors and I participated in like the agent round and we got a lot of like agent requests. Yeah. Um, I couldn't actually send my work to them because the book was not done. I wasn't done revising it. And then I spent all of 2018 getting married because I'm Nigerian. So we have to have two weddings, the traditional and like the actual wedding. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I spent all of 2018 planning this wedding. And so while I should have been revising the book. So I just really had to put the book to the back burner because I was getting married. Um, And then uh, during like around like my wedding period, I got an opportunity to write like an IP work okay. for another company uh, at the time. So I actually got chosen for that. Like, so how that works, you send like a couple chapters. If they're interested, then, you know, they'll tell you like, okay, we want you to work on this book. Yeah. So uh, they said that to me and I said, okay, that's great. But my mentors from Pitch Wars had advised me that, hey, I think you should get an agent to negotiate this deal for you. Mm-hmm. But I don't have a book. Blood yeah. Science still wasn't done. Um, so I was like, how's this going to go? I wasn't sure, but I decided I was going to query 
five of the agents from Pitch Wars, like the top five agents for me from Pitch Wars, um, query them were like an unfinished manuscript of Blood Sign. I had five chapters. Well, I had 10 chapters, but I sent them the first five. And I was like, listen, yeah. I have an IP project. I need someone to negotiate this. This is Blood Sign. It's still not done, but do you guys want to represent me? Oh, wow. <laughs> um, okay. Seems like was, power in your hands at this point. Listen, it was very unorthodox. Like it was not, that's not the convention, that's not the conventional way to publish it because usually you have to have the full book. You have to have, you know, all of that, but I didn't, but I think because I had the IP project yeah. um, ready to go, uh, it sort of like, I guess, gave me a little bit of negotiating power, I guess, with oh. them. Um, and, you know, none of them had, none of them had a reason to pick me and say, hey, we want to work with you. Mm -hmm. uh, but they saw something in Blood Sign that made them very interested, even though the book still wasn't done. They saw something in it that made them very interested. And I got like uh, an offer of representation from that. I got my first agent from that. And what we did was the IP project ended up not working out. So we yeah. decided to just focus all our energy on Blood Sign. And with the 10 chapters of Blood Sign that I had, we decided that, hey, why don't we try to sell this on proposal? Okay. Which is, again, not something that you do. Again, yeah. you're supposed to have a full manuscript, but um, she really believed in the story. She believed in those 10 chapters. And we sent it off to like editors uh, like around, basically when I came back from like honeymoon. So late October or late, like early November, 2018. Okay. And we got um, an offer from Harper Collins. And um, that's like my lovely editor at Harper, Kristen Petty yeah. uh, around December. So everything literally was just, it happened so fast. So yeah, um, yeah that's like the strange so, journey to publication for me. <laughs> yeah, so two things I'm getting obviously from this story. So the first one, sorry to bring it back a bit, but obviously um, a lot of my listeners are kind of indie authors and upcoming Iberian mm. and Trad. So just a quick explanation of the, the IP project as in what that is and what that mm. entails quickly. And then the other thing was, so you said 2012 and then 2018 was writing it. That was like six yes, years. Yeah, that was like, writing to selling it yeah yeah right to sell it and then from 18 onwards is the next part of the journey so just yeah the IP part quickly just for those who want okay to so the ip part um I, I there are like several um companies that sort of do like ip projects where they have the idea it's basically their idea and um they want someone to execute they want someone to execute it they want someone to write it so um, I can't really say which company this is, but um, this was like a company at the time that, you know, worked a lot with like a lot of like YA authors or maybe I think they mostly did YA actually. Um, and yeah, they just, I actually got the offer through one of my mentors who at the time was also working with them. So she pitched me this idea, said, hey, I think that you could really do something great with this. Um, you would have to write, so they would send you like I guess like the pitch for the story, yeah, like a and you just yeah like a little you know these are the characters, this is like the world, this is what we're trying to go with, um, and you would just write what comes to you from that. Uh, so yeah. they wanted like the first chapter from me, yeah. and I did that, sent it to them, and they you know the editors who work with them they would read it if they think that it's you know something that they wanted to work on. Yeah. they would then go on to like sort of give me their feedback like revise it 
And so yep. we, we did a lot of revisions back and forth, you know, yeah. just to make sure that we could, you know, work well together. And that was how that went. Um, and then and yeah, like it didn't obviously work out. But it didn't did. work out. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because again, like I think because it's IP, um, there's a lot that goes into it when it comes to payment, um, yes. mm-hmm. how much you're paid, like if yeah. you're getting like a royalty from it. So it's just it's a whole bunch of uh, things yeah. that I happen. Start- I started down a small road with that and, you know, kind of looking into other ways you can kind mm-hmm. of get this kind of thing. And I had a few offers, but the theme wasn't really right for me. Like yeah. recently, my most recent book, obviously self-published, um, is a shifter novel. So other stuff okay. goes on, but they are wolves. And they suddenly were just kind of sending me all these paranormal <laughs> fantasies. <laughs> and I was just like, I just kind of made mine wolves to be a bit different. I don't yeah. <laughs> so it didn't you know it didn't work out that way but yeah thank you for for that explanation just for those mm-hmm. um another thing I want to take from that you've obviously got that connection with the IP through Pitch Wars which mm-hmm. unfortunately was it debunked this year I know oh, yeah I know it was such a bittersweet moment oh, um gosh. like I was so upset because you know not necessarily been in on this same journey for 10 years with this book mm-hmm. I the last two was you know we said mention at the beginning not really knowing where do books come from so the yeah. last, last two years was the most was the most I've put you know work effort understanding into knowing how to get what's in my head here um, <laughs> and then as soon as I discover that the biggest thing that has got people decides to f off and I was just like oh <laughs> Like there wasn't any guarantee it would ever work for me, but it was just Mm -hmm. like, God, like where? I know, I know. I I heard though. I heard that uh, there's you know obviously there's also Davy Pitt right, which is just also doing amazing work for a lot of like marginalized authors. But I heard, and I don't know if this is true, that there's you know some development coming up where I believe some of like the old mentors from pitch wars you know might be putting something together i really hope it happens because pitch wars was just that thing that it just fostered a lot of people's careers like some of like the biggest names in YA came from pitch wars uh that whole thing did so much for so many different people um and yeah i just i hope it i hope somehow someone finds a way to bring up something like that and just have it going because a lot of us like we benefited from it definitely yeah let's move on slightly so you obviously mentioned um you know how you started writing it as writing blood sign as in the idea kind came while you were doing something else um Mm. and obviously mentioned the influence of your grandmother and your um your culture your nigerian um culture and one of the things i did want to point out so in my review i did mention that i was a bit apprehensive about reading another black fantasy based in and of and around Orisha magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, obviously absolutely nothing wrong with it, but it did feel like at one point, because you've been writing it for five, 10 years, mm-hmm. but it did feel like at one point, all the publishers and all the agents said, we're all going to publish black people and we're <laughs> all going to publish the same story. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, this is what we want. We want our children of blood and bone. We want that mm-hmm. next- we want our next Song of Rafe and Ruin. Everybody right. writing, quote unquote, the same book. And yeah. I don't want that to be a disrespect to my peoples, um, because how many kind of 
other non-brown books are the same mm. and they keep coming out but what kind of frustrated me about that was just you know there are so many other stories to tell yeah. um, so it's like you know I wanted a bit more of that um but as I said that's not um you know a put down or a disrespect to the book it was just my initial thought going in mm-hmm. that, okay be different because mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah honestly I know I've fangled a bit already but the what hit me was not what I thought I was going into <laughs> and that just blew my mind from the first like <laughs> I want to say two three chapters and I was like I was so happy to have been proven wrong basically <laughs> I, I was messaging my friends like on Instagram we've got like a little bookish group yeah it was like guys I'm two chapters in and this is my <laughs> I kept messaging them like you have to you have to read this book <laughs> I kept going back in with quotes. We'll get to that later. That yeah. Hitting me in the feels, man. Like, <laughs> because, sorry, as I said, I'll I'll go off and let you let you talk. <laughs> but one of the things that blew my mind is the the wonderful mix of the fantasy that I didn't necessarily ex- expect to be done this way. Mm-hmm. The blend of the contemporary, obviously, violence of children. Mm-hmm soldiers of child soldiers so that was was touching um in and of itself so that was like okay because I don't know, know know much about that yeah. so have it in that context and you know wrapped in this fantasy bow just made it even better so as it says on the screen concept for blood scion where did it come from to kind of as I said to blend merge those, to yeah. merge those two things mm-hmm. well I mean listen that's a great question because I absolutely love talking about this um so, you know, like I said, when Blood Science started in 2012, I knew that the, you know, cultural aspect of it, it meant so much to me. Um, growing up in Nigeria, um, it meant so much to me to, you know, not only bring that spirituality to light, but also to like honor my grandmother in that way and the stories that she told me. But I always knew that there was something missing from the book. I always knew that, you know, after writing the first draft, like, sure, the culture is there, but I wanted it to go beyond that. So fast forward to 2012, I mean, no, 2014. And there was this huge, you know, situation that happened in Nigeria with the Bring Back Our Girls, where um, hundreds of kids had gotten, girls, young girls had gotten kidnapped from a school in Nigeria. And it was such a huge deal. Um, Really hit me hard because I was in university at the time and we were talking about it in my class and, you know, people were sort of like looking to me like, oh, you know, you're Nigerian. What do you think about this? And I couldn't really put into words like what it did for me, like what happened as a result of that, of just, you know, knowing that I grew up in this country. Um, I went to school like those young girls did. Um, That could have happened to anybody, you know, um, such a terrible thing. And I really didn't understand, but I knew how it affected me. I knew how heartbreaking it was. So I went on like a spiral of research into these girls' stories and what happened to them. And just hearing some of the really terrible things that they went through, it was just shocking. The most unreal thing um, that no no child should ever have to go through that. Mm. Um, and that kind of led me into 
the whole research on child soldiers because at the time I didn't really understand it myself either. Yeah. Um, but th- th- that was what was happening to some of these girls. And I really needed to understand like the whole concept of using children as like weapons, you know, yeah. weapons of war. Um, just those like, you know, the whole war on children in general is just the most horrible thing. Um, and just things that we can't even grasp. Like I, the <laughs> reading all like the research and the years of research and just the books that I read that touched on these things, like the memoirs, the letters, uh, the work that, you know, some of these organizations are doing um, on these kids. It's like, you really start to just think to yourself, like there's a whole reality out there that's so separate from us. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's just like, you wouldn't <laughs> wish that on your worst enemy, you know? Um, you can't fathom You can't fathom it. And in, in doing that, the story kind of just came together. I <laughs> knew then, like, this is what I want to talk about. Um, this is like, this is something I'm very passionate about that I really want to put out there because again, you don't really see books. I mean, I don't know if there is actually any book about child soldiers that's written in like a fictional way other than like, just like memoirs from, you know, former child soldiers who've gone through this. Um, So I really wanted to bring that to light. I really wanted to lend a voice um, to this, situation and I knew that if I could marry those two ideas together like I wanted to write about my culture the spirituality of it but I also wanted to write about the concept of you know how young kids are being dehumanized and you know turned into weapons of war and uh the whole concept of blood sign kind of came from that like the idea of a young girl who's grappling with her culture but also grappling with like the loss of her identity and her fight and this journey to not only reclaim her culture but to also reclaim herself um yeah and i just once i had those two things and was able to put them together it's like everything kind of just came from that like everything like the story just i guess you know people say the story wrote itself but I mean, I wouldn't say it wrote itself because <laughs> it was a lot. It was a lot of me and me and drafting. We do not work together at all. I drafting is like the worst part of the process for me. But um, the story told itself. I'll say that. Um, and yeah, so that's how the concept for Blood Sign came to be. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I really, as I said, when I. I've been fortunate enough to to interview a few authors now, both indie and trad, but the trad ones have always been, well, I guess that's the point, but the trad ones have always been books that I really, really love. So yeah. it, it, it always just makes me sound like I'm this just super butt-kissing person. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously I wouldn't interview someone that didn't lie, it doesn't make sense. Um, <laughs> um, but no. I really, um, as I said, respect, as I said, that marrying of the two things because I went in as a skeptic thinking I was mm. going to this. Um, and that blend of those two things really hit me and really touched me, especially from, as we said, a concept that I can never fathom. I've never been a child soldier, you know, to an, a certain extreme. I'm not mm-hmm. African. like I'm black, but I'm not African. There's a, you know, that sense of 
identity that you mentioned that I've never kind of had to deal with the way mm-hmm. you know, my friends who might be called, you know, Ola Falade kind of thing, mm-hmm. shorten their names to just Olu because mm-hmm. people don't know how to pronounce it. I've always been Charlotte. I've got my westernized name. There's things that even as part of the black and brown culture, you can mm-hmm. still learn from reading other people. Absolutely, yeah other people's experiences and it was just it was absolutely beautiful um in a in a heartbreaking way um the next thing obviously we've got blood sign on the screen so for those we've just been talking because we know what we're talking i know those who don't know (laughs) your own words or what you want them to know about it you know what it's about what is blood blood sign about what's the pitch here okay (laughs) i always somehow butcher this bitch what our books are about oh my god it's so hard immediately you ask and i'm just like wait what is this book about about? (laughs) um okay well i'm gonna try here so um blood sign is a white fantasy uh and the story follows a young girl um named sloan who at the age of 15 uh gets drafted into the very military that's been hunting her kind for centuries so what um they don't know is that sloan is a scion and by that it means that she's a descendant of like the orisha gods um but because she lives in a world that um has been colonized uh her race her entire people have been basically wiped out um her land has been taken over by you know the colonizers she has to um hide who she is and basically live um her life just afraid of hopefully no one finding out her real identity uh so that's obviously sort of like messed her up in a lot of ways because she can't be who she truly is um and she's having to like hide this firepower that she has um and it's it's, it's a, a struggle cool. it's a very yeah cool. because she can't she can't keep that fire contained so um it's a it's a it's a big struggle but then it gets even worse when uh, she gets drafted into the military to basically fight for these people who have been hunting her kind for centuries. And what that means is now she's having to travel to um, their island and their military camp and be there for what well, she's conscripted for, like, what, three years. But she has to train for 30 days. 30 right? days? <laughs> um, and she's just <laughs> that shit in 30 days. It's shocking. Oh, my God. Go oh, on. my God. Yeah. And just, you know, um, we see a whole bunch of, you know, really this, the, the crazy decisions and the things that she has to do for the sake of, you know, survival and just, you know, even if it means destroying her morality in the process. But then, you know, my girl comes up with, like, an idea to, you know, I'm going to go here. I'm going to you know, be their soldier, but, um, her mom's been missing for two years. So she decides that she's going to use that opportunity to find out information about her mother. But not only that, that information that she discovers about her mom obviously leads her on a path of vengeance. (laughs) Um, and we just really (laughs) see this badass girl (laughs) decide that she's no longer gonna take um a lot of like the i guess terrible horrors that she and other kids have like endured so she goes on a on a war path basically to uh fight for herself not only fight for herself but fight for her people and like i said before reclaim her identity and culture yeah love it love it love it (laughs) 
the, the most difficult thing when I'm doing this is obviously you have to speak in a way that doesn't spoil it for people. Right. <laughs> but no, that's that's exactly it. And I think it's you've obviously said it in a in a great way. Um, <laughs> there's just so much to unpack in this story, and it's just like even looking at the cover and stuff. You know, you don't have much um, choice over this stuff, do you? We do. I mean, well, not a lot, not a lot, but I was, um, I was lucky enough. My editor kind of brought me along for the ride. Um, yeah, I, you know, they asked me what I thought, like the, you know, initial ideas for a cover. I said I wanted a badass warrior on the front cover. Um, but I, you know, wanted it to, you know, reflect the culture and just also reflect her vulnerability and just, her story basically yeah um and then we got like the most incredible artist uh taj francis who's just amazing i'm not sure if you're familiar with his work but yeah. he's just he's just absolutely incredible um and he did that and i just absolutely fell in love with it no i do i really do love it and as you've said what you kind of wanted from it i feel that now more so than i did before because it's kind mm -hmm. of like an end game pose if that makes sense so mm -hmm. it's what she achieves kind of by the end but right, yeah, so initially right. it doesn't you know it doesn't expose the explosiveness that's inside <laughs> it's a wonderful cover there's just you know there's no <laughs> sorry because i've got my blur it keeps being weird oh yeah i can see um, that though yeah but um you know there is so much else in here like you call it a ya but there are such deep and adult mature themes going on in here yeah well you know what though for me i always like i call it why obviously because that's just the space that it sits yeah, in but um you know i've for me i know that the book is very much skilled towards like the adult audience obviously there's a lot of really dark things in there like a lot of really really heavy things that um yeah so i think it it balances that aspect yeah. of crossover, I want to say, um, both YA, but it can also really yeah. work well in like the adult space. Do you believe in NA, the whole new adult thing? I wish that it took off. I really do, because I think that um, there's a space for it. Um, absolutely, mm -hmm. you know, especially with how YA kind of goes from 14 to 18 or 19 mm. it's like there's a difference between 14 15 16 to like 17 to 19 you know yeah. the things that you know were happening at 14 are not the same things happening at 15 yeah. they're not even the same things happening at 16 or 17 no, so i really yeah. wish yeah i really wish there was like a kind of like a little separation there they're definitely um yeah even just the idea of like upper YA which I think a lot of authors yeah. are starting to use now like yeah. if the publishers are not gonna use it you know oh. authors are gonna use it I think upper YA um, is something the that power, it starts with with you guys I guess or with us should I say mm -hmm. like pushing an agenda eventually has to take on like YA, right you know I mean right. we hope <laughs> um so we've been going around all this kind of stuff but now I'm gonna try a little bit talk about the the book without doing some spoilers okay <laughs> <laughs> lord help me so, oh, yeah. <laughs> so sloan or sloan 15 um you know lost her mother lives with her baba her grandfather, grandfather yeah um you know we love baba 
Them to me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that as well because my partner is Greek Cypriot and the word for father is Baba in Greek Cypriot. So like that's yeah. what wants our daughter to call her. Um, which is really <laughs> um but she obviously she has a relationship with her friend Teo. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, really. Lord. <laughs> she also has a relationship with, if that's what we can call it, with a dude called Malachi. Um, <laughs> she's also got another friend. Sorry, I'm terrible with the names. What's the lady? Luna. 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 Yeah. Um, and then when she does eventually get drafted, she, um, you know, she gets her motley crew, and you know, she's got the boyfriend and girlfriend. What are their names? Yeah, Jericho and Nazanin. There you go. And yeah. she meets the love interest guy. But we're not- <laughs> the, the, the commander, uh, the, like the squad leader, yeah. The squad leader. Um, and even though I was meant to do it in a different part, one of the questions that I got from um, uh, my listeners, readers, friends, when I said I was um, interviewing you is one of them said, was there any possibility that Malachi was going to be the love interest like did you that no I will tell you I it never did but I will say this when I was writing there was a scene that I was writing I was like huh yeah, but- <laughs> <laughs> I was like huh <laughs> I had a little pause because yeah, yeah. I read that scene over and I was like I, I kind of love this <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I know where you're going with this yeah but, but you know that's the book is it yeah, a scene, a scene that's in the book. Yeah. I was like, I kind of love this. I was like, oh, that, that sucks. <laughs> no, I think there's something that speaks to our, you know, more adult, dark, twisted hearts where if he's going to be that shitty to her, it has yeah. to be because he likes yeah, her. Right. It's just like, you know, without too much of a spoiler, when he didn't turn out to be the one that liked her, I was like, damn. Like, you know, I wanted to like, what does that say about me? I don't know. Um, but that was one of the, the questions, whether or not there was ever a possibility for those guys to... to, to I will say out. this. I think that if it wasn't for... Because <laughs> there was like a short story that I wrote early on during uh, Pitch Wars. Like my mentors actually asked me, uh, they asked me to do this just to kind of like get things flowing really understand the character a little bit more. And, um, you know, there's a thing called wooden willing in the book, which is just skating. Yeah. <laughs> it's just skating. Yeah. Um, but it's got a different name. Um, and Sloan and Malachi, they've always had, even from like when they were kids, they've, they've always had this rivalry going on. Um, yeah. And, you know, there was a point in the book where it said that, you know, they, they, they all used to skate together and, you know, Malachi, Jericho, I mean, not Jericho, Malachi, Teal, Luna, you know, they all like in the village, they all used to skate together. Um, I think that if not for the past between them, it would have been really interesting because I, I love rivalry. Like I love the whole idea of like rivalry turning into like some sort of like romance. Yeah. So I think, in a different world. In a different world. Absolutely. I mean, enemies to lovers is 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 one of my favorite tropes. Mm-hmm. Um, love triangle. I love a love triangle because <laughs> I was ready for a, like a sorry, you call him Tio, so Tio. Yeah. I was ready for Tio Malachi Sloan finger. And like no matter what I read, it could be the last thing I've ever read. But I'm looking for the romance, guys. I'm yeah. 
Um, but obviously without revealing too much, um the no no no, I'm not gonna say that. Start getting <laughs> It's so hard to talk about the book without spoilers. Well, I'm going to stick to the Malachi part and just say how much of a great uh, villain he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in the sense, like, that's not too much of a spoiler. Like, he's an yeah. actor from yeah. day one. From day one, you see that, yeah. One, like, <laughs> um, but I really did love him because, I'm sorry, genuine fear. Whenever she said, like, <laughs> Malachi was looking at me or Malachi was, yeah. was like, she gonna die. Like <laughs> I was shook for her. <laughs> Listen, horrible. And, and it worked so well because his, you know, feelings towards her were completely justified. And oh, yeah. not to say he should be walking around murdering anyone, but I understood his pain and I got it. So whenever he was giving her the evil eye and the daggers, I was like, oh, he's gonna kill her. Like, Listen. I think that's, for me, that's the one thing I really love about Malachi. I know their readers are so split on him. There are people who get him and there are people who are just like, Malachi must die. <laughs> and I was just like, you know, I get it. But um, you also have to sympathize with him. And I think when I'm writing, when I'm crafting my characters, I really focus on like their backstories a lot because I think their backstories inform how they navigate the world. So we get to find out what Malachi's backstory is and how can you not feel for him? Like I did, I did, you know, I did. and also just having to deal with what he went, like dealing with what he went through um, at such a young age, like they're all 15, they're still young, but at such a young age, having to go through what he went through um, and just navigating his world alone um, from that point on, it's like, that does something to you, you know, yeah. it, it, it does something to you. And for me, it, it didn't, it wasn't a stretch to imagine that he would be full of so much rage. anger yeah. and rage and just absolute destroy this person at all costs. And Definitely. another thing I like to do is with all of my characters, I treat them like they're the main character. Oh, I love that. So if you were to flip it around and Malachi was the main character on his journey, mm-hmm. we would absolutely be rooting for him. Yes, definitely. Right? Yes. So yeah, that's the way I see that. I yeah. Because he had his own things to fight for. Sloan had exactly. Mom and Luna. But he obviously has his family that, you know, not too much of a spoiler, but had his family that he lost for a very mm-hmm. So I definitely, mm-hmm. I love that. Treating all characters as main characters because it, it gives them depth. It gives them. Oh, absolutely. Even absolutely. He survive until the last page kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to touch on what you said. Just one word. You talked about obviously him navigating his world um, alone, mm-hmm. um, which was, which was sad. Um, <laughs> and obviously I can't talk too much because it's just a massive spoiler, but Sloan and Tio dealing with their, revelation <laughs> alone i was like oh my god why didn't you just say i know you know i've been angrier <laughs> the scene the, the the scene um that they had together in her like in the house yes okay so yeah i wanted to convey right. yeah before yeah before all that before before everything went haywire you know i you could tell if you go back to that scene it's like 
I mean, from Sloan's perspective, we know like what she's thinking, but I felt like everything was there with Teal. He was, all he had to say was one word, right? Like, but you could tell that he really wanted, like he really wanted to say this, but you know, talking about the world building and just like the, the state of this world, they live in a world where if anyone learns that you're a sign, mm. they can basically report you yes. to save themselves. Yes, yes, yes. So him not knowing who mm. he's talking to, not yes. knowing who Sloan is, yeah, he's probably thinking in his head, like, if I say this, could she use this for her? You know what I mean? Because, and I think that's a that's the thing about the world that I really love. It's like everyone's sort of like living on the edge of like that blade. Yes, yeah. Yes. Wanting to trust, but not quite trusting fully. Yeah. You yeah. know, there's a bit of doubt there with everybody, even with the way Sloane interacts with her friends, mm -hmm. with Luna. It's like, I want to tell her things, but I can't tell her things, you know? And it's like, it's, it's such a terrible way to live because I can't, for me, if I have secrets, the whole world will know. <laughs> so... <laughs> tell everybody <laughs> on a knife edge there was just so much tension and I think one of my favorite things about this book and why I loved it so immediately is because so much had happened so quickly but mm -hmm. not in a rush of information type way yeah like you know she it's opens with her essentially being attacked um and yeah. I understood who she was being attacked by why she was being attacked by them what she had to hide by mm -hmm. herself. Like everything was told in that first two chapters that right. I just unravel everything else. It was like, I've got <laughs> now, but what do I do with it? Oh my God. <laughs> and it was just so, 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 it was just so good. I can't Thank even. Thank you. Um, what I do want to move on to, because I don't want to keep you too, 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 too long. That's okay. Is, this is going to be my favorite part now. And this is. <laughs> going to be the super fandom moment so as i said i got my little tabs here ah. <laughs> um so the pink ones were all the kind of quotes that i really really liked and i put okay. green ones so i could remember which ones i wanted to bring up just to let me so you can let me know kind okay. of where headspace was at like why you wrote it that kind of stuff so there's not going to be much context guys but it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. so the first one where are we where are we where are we First one that I got says, um, all right, if all of this belongs to us, if we are the rulers of the land, then why do we have to hide? The response is, because Sloan, there are people, horrible people who have stolen what belongs to you. People so threatened by your magic that they'd sooner destroy you for fear of what they do not understand. Mm -hmm. I felt that not just for the words, but, and we're going to be very transparent here, guys. I felt this for the racial tension. Oh, here. yeah, absolutely. Yeah? It's not magic here. It's the mm -mm. color of skin. Yep. Yeah? That's what I heard. Yeah. People feel threatened by your blackness that they'd sooner destroy you for fear of not understanding it. And absolutely. I thought, I thought that was amazing. Thank so, you. Thank you very much. I mean, <laughs> no, honestly, it hundred percent is right because you know the fact that this book took 10 years there's a lot that has transpired in the 10 years of writing it there's a lot of um racial issues that we've seen um 
all over the world, but especially, you know, in the Western world, yeah. um, the police brutality, the racism against uh, Black people, um, a lot of like the really terrible, sad, you know, events that have like taken place. And I've had to write this book through all of that. I've had to deal with those things and my understanding of those things and the fear that I felt in hearing some of these stories, the anxiety around the color of my skin, um, all of those things, I've had to deal with it while writing this book. So for me, it wasn't just a book about the culture or the child soldiers. It was also a book about the racial tension that exists um, and just how you're perceived for being Black okay. and how people can weaponize your Blackness um, sometimes and um, think of it as something that they have to destroy just because, like the, like the quote says, because they don't understand yeah. what it is. Um, so yeah, that was absolutely where my mind was um, when I wrote that. And there's, there's traces of that all over the book. Yeah, there is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm loving it. <laughs> No, this one, the next quote, it leads nicely into what you said about obviously using your um, blackness to destroy and this kind of stuff. And, you know, even though it may be true and it's a, it's a, you know, it's a truth of life, Rachel's tension mm-hmm. stuff, you know, I don't want to come off, I've come across as an, you know, other bashing person, you mm-hmm. know, I'm gonna uplift my blackness all the time. I'm not going to be sorry for it. Um, <laughs> this, one, this quote kind of highlighted what we have as a, oh, I've lost the word now, but how we discriminate amongst ourselves, so amongst other Black people, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So this one now says, sorry if I pronounce this wrong, it's some of the (laughs) yogurts in here. Um, Women in printed booba blouses, or baba blouses, and trailing Eero rappers were gunned down. Men were slain at palm wine taverns for whispering dialects that sounded strange and unfamiliar. But it was the deaths of the newborn babies that brought the nation to its knees. Babies with skin the colour of ebony wood, babies born too brown or too black. Now, the top part, I guess, um, basically she, Sloane sees the colonisers wearing her traditional attire. Yeah, yeah. And so that first half is just all about culture appropriation. Right. Right? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> the second part, as I said, kind of the mix of our own self kind of deprecation mm-hmm. is, you know, there is that idea that if you are too black, that is an issue. You know, we've got, oh, yeah. the, we've got the colorism talks as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that was another one that, that kind of touched me because yeah. you know, there's so much that we can talk about people treating us a certain way, but mm-hmm. the way we treat ourselves is a whole other. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay you know, was, was I right? And, you know, on that. Yeah, again, absolutely. You know, um, I think even with the, within the African space as well, colorism is such a huge thing, um, let alone just within like black spaces also, you know, um, they talk about it in the media. Some celebrities who are too dark, um, they don't really get as much as, you know, celebrities who are like lighter skin. Mm-hmm. Um, we see it play out every day. Um, for me, it made sense to kind of merge that into the whole cultural, uh, uh, cultural appropriation. 
word kind of skipped me for a second. Um, aspects of it, because I think it makes sense to what it is that Black people go through, especially dark-skinned people, especially dark-skinned men and women. Um, we see, like, when I wrote that quote, I had watched a video by Amanda Sternberg. Oh, I yes. don't know if I'm saying it right. Um, and Steinberg. I think, yeah, I think they yeah. go by day. So I'm gonna use day. Um, but they had said in the video, it was like something like don't don't crash on my crops or whatever. And it was basically talking about like cultural appropriation within like the Hollywood space and just you know people who how you know white people can wear cornrows and it's seen as like high fashion, but yeah. you know, black people do that and we're basically told, Hey, your hair is like unkempt or, you know, yeah. those type of things. So yeah, like that was my train of thought around that. And then to just kind of like merge it with the idea that, okay, not only that, not only are you going through that, but now it's like dark skinned people are also, it's like almost like a double whammy in a sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Day. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was absolutely my thought process there. Thank you. Um, one thing <laughs> I did want to um, touch on that I was a little bit unclear about, and I didn't. It was weird. Like I didn't go back to try and figure it out because I just wanted to see if how my brain would take to it. The colonizers are they black too? No, they're not. Are they? No, they're not. Yeah, because I just obviously I had it in my head like you know this blonde white woman walking around with a gelly, and I'm like. What? <laughs> No, yeah, no. So, 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 no, they're not. Yeah, the world basically. I'm not sure if you've seen the film 2012, the end of the world film. Oh yes, yes. Um, Yeah, where the whole world just basically gets destroyed, and then like the remaining people, uh, they like are on the ship and they're headed to like South Africa. Yeah, and that was like how that film ended. It was like Africa was like the only continent remaining, and they were headed there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's for me, I see blood sign as like the part two of that. Okay. So you've got the old world, the Western world all destroyed. Yeah. Uh, and you've got like basically these like elites, like these white pe- uh, white elites um, coming in and, um, you know, on their ships and settling on this land and yeah. then just being like, Taking we're going to take this land over. Um, okay. yeah. yeah. So that was the thought process I- there. When you know there were scenes about her being attacked by some of the the guards, and yeah, stuff, and yeah, did mention pale hand, and, mm-hmm. and then when she meets Dane, mm-hmm. I'm assuming he's mixed race, isn't he? He is. So the, yeah, the, okay. the thing with him is that he's um like the I try to vary the fact that the colonizers are specifically the Lucys. Yes. So Avalon itself, as an island, works in a sense where it, it is diverse. Mm-hmm, but the mm-hmm. ones who are like the ruling overlords are white. Okay. But okay. they've brought in like the same way that um where Sloan lives. Like Malachi, for example, he's not like her. Yeah. He's brown, right? Yeah. Luna is um Hispanic. Yeah. So it's like the world is like supposed to be diverse in yes. that sense. And with Dane, it's like he's not one of them. He's not the, he's not one of the colonizers. Yeah. He's just a byproduct of yeah. you know that. And I, I try to reflect that in like his the way he sort of like think what well, in the beginning was thinking about things and she would constantly like question him, like, is that what they thought you at like your colonizer school? Yeah. You know? Um You know yeah. what? We can't even talk about him. 
I mean, that's a spoiler in itself. But we're not going to talk Very, very upset about that. Um, but no, that's, I like that because, you know, without going too deep, because I've got another one to go, you know, that can go back to obviously the whole slavery thing. Because oh, yeah. you've got, you know, the masters who obviously are all white and, mm-hmm. slave, and they had obviously mixed race babies. And then depending on how the father treated said offspring, mm-hmm. either, you know, you're not one side or the other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To you're too white to be black. So you know that you can unpick that in so many ways. Yeah, yeah. I really like that as well. Um, this one. Let me find the other one. Um, uh, still. Yes. So it's just a quick one, but I did just you know it was in the fields. It says, <laughs> "How is it that even though they are the ones with their hands to the guns, somehow we are the objects of their fear, the symbol of so much hatred that they must kill us in order to feel safe, in order to feel peace." Police brutality quote 101. Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm sorry. I was looking at this book because I was like, obviously, I didn't hadn't spoken to you at this point, but I was like, I mean, again, that's that's exactly what that was. I was like. This is perfect. <laughs> enough. Like, oh, I just don't have any words because I was just singing all the praises. I got like 10 of my friends to read this off. <laughs> what was the other one? Okay. Obviously, because I put the stickers, but I need to find the first line of the sentence. Hold on. Um, all right. These people, I think it's this one, they thrive on taking power, taking power over our minds, our bodies, our emotions. Oh, yes, this is one. They think because we are girls that we are something to be preyed upon. They are wrong. We are not helpless. We are not broken. Despite what scars they leave behind, our bodies are our own. Everything we feel, everything we are belongs to us and us alone. Yes, we are girls, but we are not prey. Tonight, we are alive. That scene, that chapter broke me, by the way. If there's one chapter that was the toughest to write yeah that was it um it was the toughest to write i cried writing it i cried reading it i I just (laughs) (laughs) it was tough no i can imagine because you know not to say in a funny way but this i was reading this obviously last month this was just around the roe versus wade time Mm -hmm. so to read literally our bodies are our own literally having a ruling that tells us that it's not that's not mm-hmm. it's just like this i was like this book is prophetic this is my <laughs> bible do you know what i mean it's just like we're not helpless just because we're, we're you know like the war against women it's a real thing you oh, know absolutely child care is expensive so it's forcing us back into the home and you know all this kind of it was just oh man man it's just too much like, was it? I'm gonna let you finish, but it's just too much. There was just so much good stuff. <laughs> I've got two more. Um, hold on, what's this? Two more, two more, two more. Where's it? Uh, every day, which is okay. Here we go. Um, every day we shed pieces of ourselves, our humanity, just to prop up a monarchy whose very hands are stained with the blood of our people. No, no, I don't want freedom. I want justice. 
I want to see the fear in Olympia's eyes as she's forced to watch everything she loves go up in flames. Everyone she holds dear crumble to ash. Then I want to kill her. (laughs) (laughs) That end bit was a bit much, but (laughs) the bit about propping up a monarchy with blood on the hands, like if we want to be specific, like, you know, like blood diamonds, like all in the crowns and the crown jewels of like the British monarchy and shit. Oh, yeah. Yep. She was living in her little Killmonger. Killmonger. Straight up. Killmonger, greatest villain ever. She was she was channeling a little bit of him there. Yeah. No, no, that was that was wonderful. As I said, I'm doing my whole fangirl moment, but it was just wonderful. Like I, I'm gonna do one more, but I did end my review like literally saying, and I mean this with my whole heart, this is the you are the writer I want to be. And I feel really teary saying that because, you know, we can write stories, we love stories and we're able to weave them and, you know, have fun and laugh at stuff and might be have a cheeky sex scene. But to touch people in a way that they're tabbing words and it's just, you're a you're a talent. You're just you're it, gonna make me cry. <laughs> honestly, I feel really teary because I've never resonated with something. Even though I'm, I've never been a soldier. I'm not African. I'm not even American or Canadian. But I was to be able to bridge those gaps between all things that I've never even been a part of is a fate in itself. Like you've done such an amazing thing. So when people say things like, "Oh, I'm not from there," or I don't speak that language, so I can't relate to a book. I'm sorry, you're fucking lying. You're like, <laughs> if somebody's writing something as well as you've written this book, you could be from Mars and feel people's pain. Do you know what I mean? And it was just, it was just really amazing. Um, last one, and then I'm going to stop gushing. <laughs> says, um, okay, last one. After centuries of oppression, of torment and pain and suffering, they dare to judge me for my rage. Silence, it's what they want. But mama once told me, when the world tries to silence you, do not go quiet, scream slowly. Obviously, centuries of oppression, you know what that is, Yeah. Obviously. But I really, the main part of that for me was the silence, it's mm-hmm. what, because mm-hmm. we're not allowed to say that black lives oh, matter. No. Mm-hmm. We're not allowed to say, I can't breathe. We're not, mm-hmm. you know, we're just meant to take so much. And take and, and take and take. Yeah. Not say a word. It's always turn the other cheek, be the bigger person. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not gonna. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to. Because there is a rage here that I should be allowed to express. To express. Other mm-hmm. groups can express their rage and it's perfectly fine. But we mm-hmm. do it an uprising or it's you know yeah yeah why is that um but yeah sorry I gushed enough no it's okay that quote was a lot did you know where was the the thinking of that one as well you know um that was like at the end of the book and you know we don't we've we've seen this character who has gone through literally hell and back um she's gone through so much and I really wanted that to reflect her train of thought in that moment, the fact that she's no longer going to take this like on her knees, she's going to fight back. Um, You know, one of the things I said is like a big theme for the book is 
a black girl's anger. Um, the fact that we are not as black women, like you said, we are not allowed to express our anger. We're not allowed to express our rage. Um, you immediately get labeled as like too angry or just, you know, the angry black woman. And, you know, I can't tell you how many times I got that in high school, (laughs) you know, um, just that labeling of like being something just because you want to express your dissatisfaction at something that is being done to you or done to your people. Uh, it's almost like, well, you can speak, but you can't speak too much. You know, you have to, you have to sort of like temper how you are expected to feel and the things that you're expected to like express. So that was, my train of thought in that the whole book we get, we see Sloan being angry mm-hmm. and I wanted it. I wanted her to be unflinchingly angry. I wanted you to see this main character that has so much rage in her because of literally everything that has been done to her people, mm-hmm. her world. And I really wanted to show the escalation of that anger and show that, yes, it is justified for her to be this angry same ways as as black people as black women you know we're justified like when we express our emotions and we feel the things we feel and we're vulnerable and we're all that it doesn't mean we're only angry black women it doesn't mean we're angry black women in the way that the stereotype goes and like whatever it says but it just means that we have a lot here that um it's affecting us And we want you to know that we're not happy with this and it's affecting us. Um, How else are you supposed to show that? So that really was where I was in that moment. You know, her saying like, you know, after centuries of like torment and oppression, it's like, yeah, we do see it. Like we know that slavery happened. We know what our ancestors went through. And, you know, it's something that somehow it's still happening. Somehow the the color of our skin is still an issue still an issue you know still an issue you know so it's like why yeah how are you not upset over that how are you not fed up well we're fed up (laughs) you know um we're tired um of having to say their names time and time and time and time and time again so i really wanted that to reflect that and i think the whole ending was just that was like where i was in that moment (laughs) like just you're gonna take whatever it is that she dishes out. You yeah, will get this work. <laughs> yeah, you gonna literally. <laughs> no, I really do appreciate that, and I think you know, like I was saying at the the top about my apprehension going in, um, I love it because as a reviewer, podcaster, author, all these mm-hmm. little things I am, um, you know, I am expected a lot of the time. This is from what people have said to me you know, to kind of be that advocate and that pusher for everything black. Um, mm. And don't get me wrong, I got my Easter Ray on. I'm rooting for everything. <laughs> no, I am rooting for everybody black. But there is this thing sometimes where I don't necessarily want to be pigeonholed the same way people want to pigeonhole. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So I want to, to thank you, essentially, for giving me a book that had all the trauma struggle and the trauma narrative but didn't feel, uh, I've lost the word, but it didn't feel the trauma for trauma's sake, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I read 
black fiction and it is just about like oh my gosh you know the cute white boy was being racist to me and then mm-hmm. I it and blah, blah, blah you know mm-hmm. it's like it's the it's that same kind of regurgitation of just really quite standard struggle narrative which right. I was quite bored with um so I really do appreciate that you were able to you know, prove me wrong and open my eyes to reading something that I could resonate with from the black experience, from the mm-hmm. negative experience, but take something positive away from it rather mm-hmm. than reading a book that just says, okay, so another book about us being nothing got printed. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? Yeah. So I really do appreciate that for what this is because it's it's mm-hmm. powerful is is the word uh, I used. It's a powerful book um, in a way that is for a lot of people because it needs to be that is still digestible. Mm-hmm. It's not too yeah. your head. It's not too, oh, I couldn't figure that out. There's not too much, you know, otherworldly names or incantations. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, I'm black and I still struggle with it. I don't know. <laughs> pages of, you know. Yeah. <laughs> digest. But this is, it's digestible as well as being rich um, and just being really intense and emotionally and character driven. And I really love it. And I think it's Thank amazing. you think you're amazing <laughs> thank you honestly i i wanted to touch on that too you know just the idea of trauma book because i know that this is something that a lot of authors have also spoken out on mm-hmm. um and just like the need for publishing to stop picking up books that are just only focusing on like the black pain and the black trauma mm-hmm. you know for me recognizing that in writing blood sign it's like i don't like you said and i'm glad like that's something you took from it because it's like sure there's a lot that happens in the book but i hope that by the end of it you're seeing a girl who is fighting back you're seeing a girl who she's saying that i am more than my trauma i am more than all of these things that has been done to me you know um i have a voice i have a name and i'm gonna basically take that back that's for me that's that's the reflection of like sloan's journey that was in the book um because yeah it's like it's important to and i think this goes for publishing a lot it's important to know that um there's a whole lot to blackness you know beyond just trauma you know there's a whole lot like there's you know the same for everybody else there's just- yeah it's the same exactly you know so yeah. it's just um Mom-moms and you know missing princesses and secret <laughs> you know yeah not like a special entity about us that we only have one type of story to tell mm-hmm. and it's really frustrating <laughs> yeah yeah and it's it's time to change that aspect yeah. and i am so grateful for the authors um who are coming in and they are writing these books that are just so incredible so beautiful um focusing on like shedding light on other aspects of blackness beyond just the black pain and the black trauma yeah. because i think that's just so necessary and it's so needed yeah definitely yeah thank you so so much i mean <laughs> so much other stuff that i didn't i know <laughs> too much fun and it was just really good but <laughs> Again, um, for joining me today, Deborah. Um, last couple of questions. You know, what's next for Blood Sion? Is it a duology or a trilogy? Oh my God, duology! <laughs> I am what ready to wrap you? this book up. Nothing. <laughs> the whole influx of duology right now. <laughs> so, trilogies are great, and I think that sometimes stop dragging it out. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like this was the beginning of her journey. 
this was the second half. This is the end. Exactly. (laughs) Um, What's the timeline for that? So have you drafted? Are we editing? When are we going to get it? What's going on, my friend? I will say it's being drafted. Um, I... I'm hoping for like a 2023 release, fingers crossed. Um, we'll see. That's that. I mean, that's what it's supposed to be. Um, so we'll see. But I mean, it's being drafted. I can say that it's a lot happens. Um, I love, I love the direction that the story is going. Obviously, reading to the end, you get to kind of really understand a little bit that okay, things are about to get real. Um, so yeah, I just. <laughs> yeah so i just really love um where it's headed and i think i hope at least that a lot of people are gonna love it too but there's um what i really love about it is that we really get to dig into like just the the spirituality in like a really cool way um yeah yeah, i've seen a lot of people like i want to meet more science and i'm like it's oh my (laughs) god is when you've got the different orders or the different, you know, yeah. like, elemental magic, your first thing is, oh, what can the others do? do you others know do, I mean? yeah. You've got the divination one and then obviously yeah. the elemental ones. It's like, I want to see other cool shit. So yeah. yeah. No, yeah. there's there's like a, there's a, there's a girl who, um she's descended from like uh, the goddess Oshun, who's like the goddess of like beauty and love and sensuality. Yeah. And you would think, well, what can that do? Can that cause harm? It causes harm. <laughs> it causes harm. So I am really excited for um, everyone to meet her because she's, I feel like I'm having more fun writing her story than like, she's just. Might have a spin-off. Might have a spin-off. I know. She's just basically stolen the show. So um, I'm excited um, for readers to hopefully read yeah. and love book two just as much as you know you no. guys have embraced book one <laughs> no no no. i am ready and as always that i like to you know throw it out there with my little book friends if you're ready to send me an arc of that book <laughs> i'm ready to have it thank you very much remember me come publish time. i want that don't um, worry i i got you like but Every everyone who comes off this, we're best. <laughs> yeah, basically at this point, <laughs> telling everyone that Deborah Fly is my closest friend. <laughs> uh, it's absolutely fine. So once again, oh, I'm it. I keep gushing, but I can't do it enough. Thank you for joining me. Thank today. you. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Um, your book is wonderful. You are Thank wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. And I just you know, wish you all the best and all the success with all your ongoing, this series, any other series you get. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh my God. This is great. Honestly, yeah. I, I, I think this is like why I love doing this because it's just getting a chance to actually talk to you. I feel like it takes it away from like the DMs and like, you know, just this means everything to me. And thank you so much for everything you said about blood sign. You literally almost made me cry, by the way. <laughs> I had to pull myself together. <laughs> thank you. Thank you again. And thank you to everybody listening, watching, etc. Obviously, reach out to myself, Charlie Author, um, and Deborah Fly on um, social media, on Instagram. It's just all the spellings are there. Yeah. Um, the information will be in the descriptions and things like that, and all the links to listen or watch later on. Uh, join me, obviously, for another episode. Episode. I'm not sure what the episode will be. <laughs> I mean, this is going to be a lot to come away from. Um, but yeah, make sure you join for all of that. Thank you once again for listening, everybody. Have good days, evenings, afternoons, wherever you are in the world. Have a good one. Bye bye.